On the 27th day of October, Halloween gave to me 27 slugs of slinking, 26 hot dog ghosts, 25 hitchhiking ghouls, 24 soggy corpses, 23 shadows creeping, 22 Egyptian eyeballs, 21 acid raves, 20 creepy stalkers, 19 Kiernan's time traveling, 18 zombies swatting, 17 Kegner's screeching, 16 flying engines, 15 workplace accidents, 14 logs of bouncing, 13 planes exploding, 12 zombie soldiers, 11 angels wrestling, 10 ghostly hitchhikers, 9 basement clowns, 8 vampire cruises, 7 silent heroes, 6 prequel bloodstones, 5 diabolical fledglings, 4 vampire pianists, 3 dead professors, 2 Michelle actresses, and a radu drooling something bloody. That thing keeps getting longer every day, huh? Hey, welcome back. This is Bo, your faithful pal, uh, talking about the 31 days of Halloween. And we are coming right down to it. Just a handful of movies left. And I thought it was about time we revisited the James Gunn sort of remake of Night of the Creeps called Slither. And what really blew me away about Slither on rewatching it this time, other than the fact that the movie itself is almost 20 years old now, is that as much as I always kind of mentally joked to myself about how this movie is kind of a riff on Night of the Creeps, oh my goodness, is this a riff on Night of the Creeps? Uh, which I think is the superior movie. Night of the Creeps, I, I still think, is is better. Uh, and this isn't, it's not one-to-one. It's not a remake or anything like that. But clearly James Gunn at some point saw Night of the Creeps and thought, hey, what if we did uh, something like that? with a little bit bigger budget and a good cast and slightly different trappings and, uh, and, and, you know, without Tom Atkins, which is a mistake as far as I'm concerned. If you're making a movie and you have an option to put Tom Atkins in it, why on earth wouldn't you put Tom Atkins in it? Anyway, um, it's a, a, a good version of that. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't think it like it's it's such a loving movie and it's such a fun movie that it's hard to hold anything against it for just being unoriginal because it also has you know something to do with the blob and uh, a little bit of invasion of the body snatchers and so it's it's a couple of movies but anytime you see slugs that look like these slugs from Night of the Creeps. Uh, going into people's mouths and taking over their brains, kind of tough not to immediately think about Night of the Creeps. You, it's just, you can't. But uh, all that aside, let's talk about the movie itself. Uh, the movie, of course, is the story of uh, Michael Rooker, uh, who is a small town kind of bigwig, a uh, little bit of a jerk named Grant. And. Uh, he is married to Elizabeth Banks, uh, who obviously beautiful woman. Good, uh, good for him. Uh, also, incredible director, as we have uh, discovered with uh, some of her work. And yeah, well, maybe, uh, maybe incredible is overstating it. But you know, she she's done good movies, and uh, Cocaine Bear in particular, I think, is really really fun. And yeah, I even think Pitch Perfect Two is pretty good. So. Uh, yeah, a good director in her own right, uh, and and just one of those like classic Hollywood beauties. 
uh, in a lot of ways. Like, she would be perfectly at home in a movie from the 40s. I don't know if she's ever done noir, but boy, she sure should. Uh, at any rate, uh, they're a married couple, although the marriage seems to be heading in the wrong direction a bit. And then you've got Nathan, Nathan Fillion, uh, a favorite actor of mine, who is playing Bill Party. And Bill is the local law enforcement, certainly is... Uh, you know, pining for Starla uh, as played by Elizabeth Bakes. And so there's kind of a loose love triangle. It's not really a, a focus of the story other than she got married to Bill Party and uh, and she grew up poor uh, and, and he was always rich. And so there's some suggestion that maybe she did it because uh, he could give her a life that she would not otherwise be able to have. And Nathan Fillion... Uh, once she hooked up with Michael Rooker's character, just, you know, backed away and never really fought for her or anything. And all that's fine, right? And into this mix uh, comes a meteor from outer space. And sure enough, this meteor uh, contains some uh, alien business that infects Michael Rooker and he starts to turn into a giant uh, betentacled monster uh, as well as um, infecting others like out of his belly come these two tubes that he uses to impregnate this woman that he gets drunk with and to his credit uh, like doesn't have an affair with uh, at least not until uh, he, he becomes more alien than man and she ends up becoming uh, impregnated and enormous and finally explodes into these slugs that run around the town and infect uh, people by crawling into their mouths. And when they do, uh, they link you to the, the, the host, right? And Michael Rooker is sort of the queen of this hive of uh, alien monsters. And the thing that I think is kind of fun and interesting is that even though uh, the alien um, is, is clearly from another planet and you get a little bit of a glimpse, one of the cooler scenes of the movie is when uh, a young woman who is taking a bath almost gets taken over, but she pulls the, the slug out of her mouth, but not before she has this vision of how they, you know, go planet to planet and use up all the resources and, and take over every living thing and then move on and do it all over again. And that's kind of interesting, but, uh, yeah. So you, you get this sense of where the aliens are, where they come from, but they're all part of the same thing. And even though Michael Rooker is infected by this alien is mostly this alien, he still has this affection for Starla like that is somehow uh, makes the transition from man to alien. And so it, it leads to these very cool scenes uh, or scenes I like very much where several people in unison are telling Starla how much they love her and how much they want her uh, to, you know, to, to be part of them and, and so forth. And uh, you know, and, and so it's, that's your, your basic sci-fi horror kind of setup. And all of that works pretty well. Uh, James Gunn, at this point, wasn't the Guardians of the Galaxy James Gunn yet. He wasn't being handed 
you know, a billion dollars to make a movie or anything. Uh, this was still even pre-super even. This wasn't all that far, quite frankly, from uh, the days of the trauma stuff or him writing Dawn of the Dead, the remake of that. And all of that uh, leads to him, you know, taking some chances and being a little bit silly and, uh, you know, big ups for Greg Henry in this movie as Jack McReady, the uh, local mayor who's just kind of an asshole, including two children, which is pretty great. And yeah, so it, it's very silly. Uh, it, it's gooey and gory and slimy and all of the things that you want a movie like this to be. Uh, there are some pretty good laughs in it to this day. The biggest complaints that I have with this movie at this point as someone who's seen it several times and, and kind of went back to revisit it with more modern eyes is that some of the CGI is not always great, but as was the time, right? Like this is still 2006 and sometimes it works, sometimes it don't, but most of the time it's enough to get by. There's some really great practical work in it though. Uh, that stuff holds up great and it, it it feels like it was sort of on the tail end of when practical effects were just kind of sidelined anyway and so it it almost feels like an odd relic of a time before cgi uh, completely took over where the practical effects uh were still pretty stunning and and you know i'm kind of stealing somebody else's description of this but there's something about practical effects where honest to goodness, real light hits it and it just looks different than something like, you know, the Star Wars uh, sequels or, you know, the latest Indiana Jones or whatever, you know, like the de-aging technology. Like, you can fool the eye most of the time, but not always. And it's the not always part that kind of ruins the effect overall. And this movie, for all its faults, when you see... Uh, you know, Grant tooling around in this giant rubber suit, this gi giant alien suit, then it, that stuff still holds up pretty well because it, it it doesn't have to do the job of fooling the eye. You know, it's a real thing that's really there and that's all you need. And, and so I kind of miss this kind of movie, this sort of mid-tier creature feature that you just don't really see anymore. You see a lot of super cheap ones and you see blockbuster ones, but it's rare that you have that kind of mid-budget. Maybe Last Voyage of the Demeter is a little bit of that. Uh, the Boogeyman maybe is a little bit of that, but uh, that was a movie we talked about being, you know, really mediocre, all things being equal. Or not even mediocre, it's just good. It's a totally good movie, but it's just not enough to be exceptional in any particular way. Other than the creature design, which isn't terrible. Uh, there's one thing I, I really like about the creature design that I won't spoil in case you ever see the Boogeyman. Not that you should, but there's one thing about it that was like, oh, that's a really cool and interesting idea uh, for this here monster. Um, but yeah, it, it, so Slither is an interesting little footnote in the James Gunn filmography. And more than that, it's, it's a totally fun like midnight horror movie it, it's a good creature feature it's a good horror comedy a, a horror sci-fi 
comedy. Uh, I like the fact that at the end of the movie, um, every the whole town is basically wiped out and they're just kind of strolling down the road to figure out what the fuck they're going to do next. And, you know, it's, it's really fun. I really, really like this movie. Uh, I don't... <laughs> it's funny because I don't hold it in such high regard that I'm like, this movie is sacred. There is something... Uh, untouchable about the quality of this film. It's just fun. It's just a good time. And sometimes that's all you need, you know? Uh, sometimes you just want to throw on a movie that's going to be entertaining. The movie doesn't fuck around uh, and tease out the whole alien stuff like it gets there pretty quick. And then you're off to the races and then you're having a good time with it. And, you know, uh, Nathan Fillion is, is plenty charming. Greg Henry is a real dick and that's real fun. It, it like it just works. It, the, the movie just works. And there's something about that that is satisfying in a in a way that can almost feel superficial, but I I want to almost make this like a celebration of that kind of movie, of that kind of comfort food film. It's not going to make you a better person for having seen it other than you are going to spend 90 minutes with the movie and really have a good time. And that's worth a lot. Uh, so enough about Slither. If you haven't seen it in a while, go back and revisit it. It's a, a totally great movie. And uh, if you've never seen it, then I, I haven't spoiled so much that you can't enjoy it yourself. So uh, please, please, please give Slither a spin on these uh, cool uh, autumn nights in the lead up to Halloween. Um, so hey, we got four more movies to go. I hope, I hope, uh, that you are going to have as good a time with them as I did. I'm excited to talk about these movies. Uh, a couple of uh, new ones, a couple of modern classics, uh, and and of course our big finale. But I'm going to save the, the Halloween episode for Halloween. So uh, there we have it. Uh, I hope you're having a, a wonderful uh, October out there. I hope you're having a great spooky season. And please, if you would, come back tomorrow for another of the 31 days of Halloween. I'll see you then.